Good morning, and welcome to Intermission, where we press pause to hear your story and talk about how to be the light in a world that can feel so dark. So grab your coffee. It's time to wake up. Good morning. It is morning for me right now. I am coming to you on my actual birthday. It is 9-11-2020 and I am having my third cup of coffee because that's my business. <laughs> Thank you, Tabitha, for that. And I'm just taking a moment um, to reflect and to remember, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about, you know, how I spent my birthday 19 years ago, 9-11-2001, when our country um, shifted in a big and profound way, when almost 3,000 people, innocent people, first responders, so many people lost their lives um, due to a terrorist attack on our country. And I remember that day. I took the day off of work and was sitting in my home in Lexington, Kentucky, and I'd already called my brother. So shout out to my brother, Pogo. Some of you may know him as Mike but he will forever be Pogo to me. I was born on his 11th birthday, on September 11th, and um, we had already spoken that morning to wish, wish each other happy birthday, and as the first plane hit um, just before 9 a.m. that morning, um, everything changed. I, you know, sat in disbelief, and I remember my friend Tasha... <laughs> She called me, and she's a nurse and was off work that day, and she just came, and we sat, and then the second plane hit, and um, the plane went down um, in Pennsylvania that was taken over so bravely by those folks um, on that flight, and yeah, just sat in disbelief and in horror, and um cried our faces off together and I still feel the tears coming as I think about that morning like wow <laughs> um just not really knowing what was happening or what to think and also it was my birthday <laughs> you know like wanting to celebrate and also in that moment feeling like there's nothing to celebrate so now we, here we are, 19 years later, and so much life has happened, and it's so funny to be in the middle of a pandemic and um, still having those same thoughts of there's, there's nothing to celebrate um, when there's so much hurt and aching in the world. And um, I first just want to take a moment, a moment of silence for all those lives lost 19 years ago on this day and just to send love to them 
and to those that were left behind, their families, friends, loved ones, coworkers. So just take this moment with me. Thank you, and thank you for listening to this intermission podcast. I am so grateful and uh, just overwhelmed sometimes with the messages that I get and people that are listening, so I want you to know that I appreciate you so, so much, and what I have been thinking about this morning... um, Nelson Mandela has a quote that says, celebrate the milestones in order or as you move forward. And so I've been kind of reflecting this morning on the past year and, you know, honestly, 2019, 2020, they kind of blend together. So there's been a lot, right, um, going on in my life and I'm certain in yours. And What I want to be sure that we don't do is to get lost in, I think it's good to remember, um, good to remember what happened 9-11-2001, and also to remember that there is still so much to celebrate and to not let those deaths be in vain. Um, And so today I am taking time to remember and to celebrate yes. we're gonna sip our coffee like it's our birthday and you know i give a because it's my birthday oh so i'm so glad that you're here with me to celebrate and yeah just looking over the last year which you know I look back on my photos to kind of see a timeline because so much has blended together. And, you know, in the past year, maybe even year and a half, so much has happened. Um, I believe it was in June of last year, so not quite in this full birthday trip around the sun for me. Um, But my mom started having some memory issues and we took her to the neurologist to get some things checked out and they found a brain aneurysm and it was terrifying first of all and you know we made the decision to operate to have the surgery to stabilize the aneurysm and um, because we didn't know how long it had been there and so since then my mom's health has declined and a lot of the memory issues actually got worse. So there were moments of like, why did we even do the surgery to keep her here to be like this? And so something that I've noticed is that um, for a long while, and maybe you guys can relate to this, I was like, what can we do to help her? What can we do to make things better? Um, And I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast of just like on to the next to make it better instead of like really feeling. So I've taken time this year to number one, like grieve, grieve, you know, 
the mom that I've known my whole life and also to let myself feel the sadness from that. Um, I've learned that I've been afraid to feel sad and sad is for feeling. Yeah, just letting myself feel sad that things have shifted in a profound way with our relationship and also remembering the foundation and the the enormous amount of love that is there and that she is still here. <laughs> so, you know, there was one point during this pandemic that she actually went to the emergency room and they thought she might have COVID. And I fast forwarded in my head so far that I was like, I had buried her basically. Sorry, mom, if you ever listened to this, but like, that's where my brain went. Like it went so far forward in fear. And it's the, the practice that I have made a lifestyle, which is yoga and mindfulness, self-awareness, meditation, taking time to be still that, and friends around me saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, we don't know. We don't know if she has COVID. And I was like, oh, yeah. So turns out she had pneumonia, which was not a good diagnosis for my 79-year-old mom. But since then, you know, for a while, we weren't able to get her the treatment that she needed because of COVID. And since then, we've been able to see her neurologist and get her on the accurate medication. And I'm just so thankful that I have been able to be present in all the moments that I've been with her and I FaceTime her every single day. So thankful for that gift of technology to be able to FaceTime. And I highly encourage you, if you have people in your life in your life that you love and you don't get to see that often, FaceTime them. Yeah, it's been a real gift. And I'm happy to say that my mom has made some progress in the last few weeks and there have been semblances of her energy and her spunky, fiery personality and just getting to witness how much my dad loves her is such a gift and I'm grateful for my dad's health and he is an angel on earth um, the way he cares for her and um, yeah, just... I'm grateful that I've been able to be present with them in whatever, wherever they are, being able to meet them where they are and just be with them. And that has been a true gift this year. And also, you know, holding space and standing next to your partner who has lost or experienced so much loss um, in the last year. So lives. Um, first of all, our dog, I say, I got to spend two years with our dog, Macon, um, who passed last year, he's 13, and just a big old handsome fellow with the floppiest ears and the stinkiest breath, and, um, yeah, like, getting to care for him, um, at the end stages. I'm feeling emotional today, y'all, so <laughs> the tears are coming, and I'm just letting it be, but getting to care for him at the end of his life and being able to hold space for Liv to grieve her best friend, um, her constant that had been there for her for 13 years. Um, yeah, like what a gift to be able to hold space while someone is grieving 
And also I've learned so much about myself through that because that was so tough, just so tough. And then not even a month later or a month to six weeks later, her dad passed away. And, you know, the fixer in me, the, the person that wants to like make sure everyone's happy. Um, I think I shared about my recent therapy, um, realizing that I'm, I'm a peacekeeper, a people pleaser. And, um, yeah, just like realizing that when someone is sad, there's nothing to fix about that. Like, there's nothing wrong with someone feeling sad. There's nothing wrong if you don't feel okay. And I think something I want to celebrate, not think, something I want to celebrate about this past year is realizing that I can be strong and stand next to someone who is grieving without the need to fix anything. Like, I can do things to help, like, I did things to help around the house and things like that. But like being able to just be with one, someone, I remember Glennon Doyle and Untamed talking about her sister who was grieving and she just sat outside the door. Her sister didn't even know she was there. She just sat outside the door and held space. And that is something that I realized I'm able to do without completely losing myself in it. And I just feel like that's such a gift to be that person for someone. Um, so Liv, thank you for trusting me to be that someone. Yeah. Wow. So much. I got to see Brandy Carlisle at the Ryman in January, which I think it was May of 2019. I got to freaking meet Brandy Carlisle and be with Amanda Shires, who's a dear friend and I hope to have her on this show one day and Brandy too. And I got to meet Yola, the incredible high women recording their first album was an experience I'll never forget. Like just remembering to celebrate all of these things. And then I got to go with some of my favorite people to see Oprah in Atlanta and just feel lit up. This was right before everything shut down getting to be in that space with her and all of these people who want to live their best life and Oprah reminding me that you setting an intention like how I want to show up how I want to feel and putting my attention on that is how to live my best life how to keep moving forward without getting stuck in the past and wallowing in what I don't have and putting my attention on what I do have and what I want to have happen. And then the pandemic hit. Oh, first of all, we got to celebrate Liv's birthday. It's so funny. I remember organizing and, and planning stuff for her birthday and thinking about, wow, like what an experience to have a birthday during a pandemic. And I never dreamed that I would be celebrating mine during the pandemic. And here we are. And just being patient with the process, trusting the journey that we're all on. Um, I've seen some memes that are wishing away 2020 and looking to New Year's 2021 and when will this be over? And through the, the practice of yoga and meditation, self-awareness, 
um, mindfulness, I realized like there's still so much here in this year, on this day, like to celebrate and not missing out on all of that. Um, so just finding things in your own life to celebrate, little milestones or big milestones to celebrate. So getting to celebrate Liv's birthday during a pandemic um, and just see people share how much they love her for who she is was a true gift. Um, and then the pandemic hit, you know, uh, it personally, professionally affected me and my family. And I know all of you in some shape, form or fashion and you know, closing the studio door at Shakti to move online was terrifying. It's like, how do we do this? And we did it. it. Pivot, right? Like pivot to what we need in this moment. And, you know, putting aside fear of seeing myself on camera or going live on Instagram and, you know, just finding a newfound love for sharing this practice that I love with people who aren't necessarily here in Nashville. They're all over the world. And being able to connect in that way has been a gift. Um, and then getting to go to the beach <laughs> to celebrate my niece graduating from high school during a pandemic. Um, you know, doing that in a socially distanced and safe way was a true gift to spend that time with her and my sister-in-law and Olivia and um, my niece's friend. And we just, you know, soaking up. The ocean is very healing. Um, and for the first time, I read a book front to back in less than 36 hours. And that was Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Um, yeah, just getting to experience that. And then the wrongful death of Ahmaud Aubrey and George Floyd, and Breonna Taylor, and the list continues to go on, and just starting to really look at my life, and how I have been racist, and how there's still moments that creep up in my mind that are just there because of, you know, the environment I was raised in, not necessarily like my family, but just the ether that I was breathing the things I was seeing on TV. Yeah, just realizing like how I have caused harm and really being in the work of anti-racism and allyship and speaking up for what I feel is right and for doing, continuing to do the work. Um, you know, it was a, you know, very present in social media, et cetera, there for a while. And I'm committed to a lifelong work of anti-racism and speaking up and holding space like on this podcast for black voices, for people of color, for oppressed voices. And yeah, it's just something I've never really spoken up about before. Uh, I've always felt that we are all equal. We all deserve equal rights, equal pay, et cetera. But it's not something I've ever you know, spoken up for. And that's what I'm up to now. Um, just diversifying who I'm spending my time with. Uh, we're doing that work at Shakti to diversify our team to, you know, whenever I, 
I remember when I walked into Shakti, like I definitely looked different than most people who were teaching there. But I think about for a person of color or a black woman or man or transgendered person that walks in there and doesn't see themselves represented in the teaching team or the community, like that has to feel scary and you it must make people feel less than and that is the opposite of what I want I want everyone to feel that they belong and that they are welcome um, in our home in our studio etc and so that is something that has really shifted for me um, in the last year is really waking up to how I've been causing harm and how can I do better and you know, Ibram X. Kendi and How to Be an Anti-Racist says that just saying you're not racist is not enough. Like we must be anti-racist and be a yes for equity and belonging and diversity. And um, yeah, so thank you to everyone that's out there doing the work, that's speaking up, especially right now. And I know I shared on the last podcast with Tom Morales, but John Lewis says one of the most powerful nonviolent tools we have is the right to vote. So please, early vote. I'm telling you, early voting is the bomb. Go early vote and let your voice be heard. And nobody knows what you do when you go in there and you push your button. Vote for what you feel is right and just exercise that right. Do not take that right for granted. I have ta- I have been the white woman who has taken that for granted, and I will no longer take that, that right for granted. I will vote every single time that I am able to, and I invite you all to do the same. Another thing that happened that I really want to celebrate is I started this podcast. I started Intermission. I had a vision It was on my heart for years, and I let fear get in the way. I let comparison get in the way. Comparison, I tell people all the time, is a thief of joy, and I was letting it steal my joy. Since starting this podcast, I have experienced so much joy. It feels very natural for me, and I love hearing the stories of people that come on this podcast and are so courageous and brave to share their story and your story matters. I invite you if you're not, if you're never on this podcast, like share your story with others and own it. Like own your story and your worthiness. And yeah, I just am grateful that you are listening because it gives me the ability to continue to do this. And I'm very excited to share. I've been working on something that I will share with all of you soon Um, there is some merch that will be available and I promise you the website is coming and I I can't wait to share all of this with you guys and um, I just appreciate your support more than you know and then also moving forward from starting the podcast like this pandemic became a pressure cooker it you know kind of moving on to the next thing, trying to keep my shit together, whatever that means. Um, And I shared on a previous podcast that, you know, it kind of the lever was released and the steam came out and it was uncomfortable. And 
just so many honest conversations with Olivia and myself, um, with people who mean so much to me in my life. And yeah, just owning ways that I haven't shown up and committing to do better. Um, and that was when we went to see Garth Brooks at the drive-in theater and it started raining and we danced in the rain. And it was truly like a um, one of those beautiful, unexpected moments that felt like a true pivot um, personally for me. Wasn't long after that that I started going to therapy to do the work on myself instead of pointing fingers at other people and how I think they could show up better. Um, I started looking within and it's funny, I'm always in the work of self inquiry and in this practice, like looking at how I can show up in a better way and owning my own stuff and just having that third party unbiased person kind of hold up a mirror or flip something in a way that I hadn't looked at it before has been so powerful and like I talked about the peacekeeper, people pleaser in me, just starting to realize I have, it's almost like a volume control on a radio, right? Like I have the ability to turn the knob up or down and realizing in so many areas of my life, that knob was turned way up to people please and keep the peace in order to not ruffle feathers or in order to, you know, possibly avoid rejection, like in other relationships in my life, like kind of clinging to things that were no longer serving me. And yeah, just realizing to that I have the control to turn the knob to a balanced place where sometimes keeping a peace is a really beautiful thing. And also, I've learned to start trusting myself, like trusting my own knowing rather than looking outside. Through therapy, I've realized I have put so much attention on what other people think of me and what I'm doing that I was lost in what the hell do I even want? Like, why am I so focused on other people? And the truth is I was focused on other people out of fear, like fear of rejection, fear of not belonging. And while this year has been, if you have kids listening, plug their ears, it's been fucking hard. It has also been an awakening, an awakening for me to my own power, my own strength, like being able to stand firmly in what I believe and who I love. Like my relationship with Liv has taught me so much. <laughs> it taught me so much about myself. And I want to spend less time worrying about what other people think and more time on how I want to feel and putting my attention on love and loving others and being open to receiving that back. That's what I want. And, you know, really like therapy was, has kind of been the icing on the cake to help me like realize that I have a voice and it matters. You have a voice and it matters. And I don't know who needs to hear that 
I just wanted to share that with you. And I also wanted to share um, an excerpt from Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I'm also going to have a sip of coffee because that's my business. It's my birthday. Mm. My coffee mug says, you're awesome. Keep that shit up. And um, I hope you remember that, that you're awesome and to keep that shit up. This mug was sitting on my desk as a gift from Jessica Danisco. Hello, if you ever listen to this. And uh, it's one of my favorite mugs, and um, I just appreciate it so much. Uh, okay, so the excerpt from Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, is called No. Um, she says, be still and no. Several years ago, very early one morning, I found myself unable to sleep again. It was 3 a.m., and I was wild-eyed, shaky, flailing, grasping for answers like a drowning woman desperate for air. I had just typed these words into my Google search window. What should I do if my husband is a cheater, but also an amazing dad? Oh, she said, I stared at that question and thought, well, I have hit some sort of new rock bottom. I've just asked the internet to make the most important and personal decision of my life. Why do I trust everyone else on earth more than I trust myself? Where the hell is myself? When did I lose touch with her? This just landed so much with me. Like the need to look outside of myself for answers. Yes, it's good to, you know, lean on some advice from friends from time to time or people that you look up to and trust because maybe what they've been through can help to guide you in some way on your path. And wow, like, why are we, she was asking the internet if she should divorce her husband, you know, like, just let that soak in for a second. And maybe some of you have done similar things. I know I have. She said, I looked at all of the contradictory opinions and thought, if there is, in fact, an objective right or wrong way to handle this, why do all of these people have such different ideas about what a person should do? I had an epiphany. It must be that should and shouldn't, right and wrong, good and bad, they're not wild. They're not real. They're just culturally constructed, artificial, ever-changing cages created to maintain institutions. It struck me that in every family, culture, or religion, ideas of right and wrong are the hot cattle prods, the barking sheepdogs that keep the masses in the herd. They are the bars that keep us caged. Hmm. I decided that if I kept doing the right thing, I would spend my life following someone else's directions instead of my own. I didn't want to live my life without living my life. I wanted to make my own decision as a free woman from my soul, not from my training. But the problem was I didn't know how. A few weeks later, I opened a card from a friend that said in bold, capital, thick black lettering, be still and know. Yeah, like she says it didn't say pull your friends and know or read books by experts and know or scour the internet and know. It just suggested a different approach to knowing. 
just stop. Stop moving, stop talking, stop searching, stop panicking, stop flailing. If you just stop doing, you'll start knowing. I mean, if you just stop doing, you'll start knowing. And this is something that my practice and meditation, like sometimes I skip meditation. I do it a lot. And when I take time to be still, I took a meditation with Olivia this morning that she led. And when I just take time to be still and to put my attention on what I want to have happen, like Liv started to share um, in the meditation about our dreams. Like if nothing was in the way, what would our life look like like see it smell it feel it who is there with you and I started to see my life financially free and full of ease and contentment and I was outside in a big yard the dogs were there Liv was there some of my closest friends were there and oh P.S. something else to celebrate I got my credit score up it is in the 720s y'all I mean, I used to be ashamed of my credit score, and it has been a long process, and I've put in the work, and I'm going to celebrate, because financial freedom made me think of my credit score, and it is up there, y'all, and in the green. I use the Credit Karma app. If you don't have it, highly recommend, so you can track your progress, and it gives you lots of tips and tools. All of that to say, um, that is part of my like trusting myself, like seeing that I can make change in my life and also just taking that time this morning to be still and just to see myself financially free and with ease and laughter, like so much laughter and smiles, um, so much that my cheeks hurt and it was all through a meditation. So moving on in this excerpt from Untamed, Glennon says to herself, 10 minutes a day is not too long to spend finding yourself, Glennon. For God's sake, you spend 80 minutes a day finding your keys. Um, so I can't really relate to the finding your keys part, but I spend a lot of time during the day. I mean, whether it's scrolling Instagram or, I don't know, like watching, you know, my fun pleasure TV or... Yeah, maybe even worrying about something. I could spend a few minutes to take time to be still and to know. Um, she also says, talks about like taking time to be still and um, just to go deep, deep inside herself. She says, I can know things down at this level that I can't know on the chaotic surface. Down here, when I pose a question about my life, in words or abstract images, I sense a nudge. The nudge guides me towards the next precise thing. And then when I silently acknowledge the nudge, it fills me. The knowing feels like warm liquid gold filling my veins and solidifying just enough to make me feel steady and certain. What I've learned, even though I'm afraid to say it, is that God lives in the deepness inside me. When I recognize God's presence and guidance, God celebrates by flooding me with warm, liquid gold. And through my practice, through this journey, like I've come to know that that deep, deep knowing, that nudge that I feel is God. I call it God. And also, it doesn't matter what we call it. Um, Glennon says, I now take orders only from my own knowing. 
whether I'm presented with a work, personal, or family decision, a monumental or tiny decision, whenever uncertainty rises, I sink. I sink beneath the swirling surf of words, fear, expectations, conditioning, and advice, and feel for the knowing. I sink a hundred times a day. I have to because the knowing never reveals a five-year plan. It feels to me like a loving, playful guide, like the reason it will only reveal the next right thing is that it wants me to come back again and again because it wants to do life together. After many years, I'm developing a relationship with this knowing. We are learning to trust each other. Mm. Like learning to trust. Like trust that I am being guided. Trust that I know the answers. And it takes taking time to be still. To sink beneath the chaotic surface. The chaotic surface of the pandemic. Yeah, to like set boundaries with what you're taking in from the media, social media, on TV, the news, otherwise. Like setting those boundaries and sinking beneath the surface. Glennon says, when I talk like this, my wife, who is Abby Wambach, Olympic soccer player, champion of life, my wife raises her eyebrows and asks, aren't you just talking to yourself down there? Maybe. If what I've found in the deep is just myself, if what I've learned is not how to commune with God, but how to commune with myself, if who I've learned to trust is not God, but myself, and if for the rest of my life, no matter how lost I get, I know exactly where and how to find myself again, well then, that is certainly enough of a miracle for me. And why, I love this, why do we worry about what to call the knowing instead of sharing with each other how to call the knowing? I know many people who have found this level inside them and live solely by it. Some call the knowing God or wisdom or intuition or source or deepest self. I have a friend with some serious God issues, and she calls it Sebastian. <laughs> a God by any other name is an equal miracle and relief. It doesn't matter what we call our knowing. What matters if we want to live our singular shooting star of a life is that we call it. Like that we call on ourselves, that we call on God, whatever that is for us. She said, I have learned that if I want to rise, I have to sink first. Mm. I understand now that no one else in the world knows what I should do. The experts don't know, the ministers, the therapists, the magazines, the authors, my parents, my friends, they don't know. Not even the folks who love me the most because no one has ever lived or will ever live this life. I'm attempting to live with my gifts and challenges and past and people. Every life is an unprecedented experiment. This life is mine alone. So I've stopped asking people for directions to places they've never been. There is no map. We are all pioneers. Do you hear that? We are all pioneers. You are a pioneer of your own life. Stop asking other people for directions to places they've never been. And I'm saying that to myself as well. Oh, it's just, I hope this lands with you in some way. I just, this lands so much for me, especially in this, this trip around the sun for me. Just trusting my knowing. 
just trusting my knowing. She goes on to say, the more consistently, bravely, and precisely I follow the inner knowing, the more precise and beautiful my outer life becomes. The more I live by my own knowing, the more my life becomes my own and the less afraid I become. I trust that the knowing will go with me wherever I go, nudging me toward the next thing, one thing at a time, guiding me all the way home. How to know? She says, moment of uncertainty arises. Breathe. Turn inward. Sink. Feel around for the knowing. Do the next thing it nudges you toward. Let it stand. Do not explain and repeat forever. And for the rest of your life, continue to shorten the gap between the knowing and the doing. Mm, Glenn and Doyle, I will meet you one day. Believe that. Liv and I will have happy hour, whatever that looks like at the time, with you and Abby Wombach. Mm, so beautiful. I just hope and pray that you will trust your knowing, that you will shorten the gap between the knowing and the doing. We are doers. And stop shooting all over yourself. There's nothing you should do. Just trust yourself. Sink. Listen. And feel the nudge. Let it nudge you forward. I don't think there's any more to say than that. And this is a good time to dance, to celebrate. And even if it's not your birthday, it's time to dance, y'all. Thank you for showing up, for being exactly who you are. And welcome to intermission, y'all.